0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hello, this is Aaron X, the podcast looking at the people, technologies, and policies that are changing shipping, maritime, and the ocean space.
2: This is an urgent and exceptional necessity for an urgent and exceptional crisis. Next Generation EU will invest in repairing our social fabric, protect our single market, help rebalancing balance sheets across Europe. And while we are doing this, we need to press fast forward towards a green, a digital and a resilient future Because this is the future of Europe's next generation.
1: I'm Craig Eason, your host and also editorial director of Fathom World, a site I run that looks at the transformation of the ocean industries as sustainability becomes a mainstream discussion. And that was Ursula von der Leyen, president of the European Commission, talking at the European Parliament last week as she revealed a total of about one85 trillion euros in funding aimed at bringing Europe out of the COVID-19 pandemic-driven recession, or pan session, as I've heard it called.
2: So beyond showing solidarity to overcome the crisis of today, I want to propose a new generational pact for tomorrow. Yes, the effects of this crisis mean that we need to make investments on an unprecedented scale today but we will do it in a way that Europe's next generation will reap, will harvest the benefits tomorrow. Investments that will not only preserve the outstanding achievements of the last 70 years but that will ensure that our union is climate neutral, is digital, is social and a strong global player also in the future."
1: The package Called Next Generation EU was, von der Leyen said, squarely focused on pushing forward the programme of the Green Deal, notably the growth of hydrogen economies which she said the bloc intends to escalate. This comes at a time when shipping continues to look at its future fuel strategy and how it'll meet its decarbonisation targets. It's no easy task and has led to a number of efforts, projects that are pushing research forward, research such as the Global Maritime Forum, which has drawn in a number of Nordic actors for the No Gaps project, where No Gaps means Nordic Green Ammonia Powered Ships. The project is, as its name suggests, looking to build an ammonia powered deep sea vessel by 2030. Now, in our last week's edition, we heard from Tristan Smith from University College London's Energy Institute about how shipping's decarbonisation agenda needs to look at new fuels, particularly fuels like ammonia, in order to ensure it meets its ambitions. The cost of this transition is likely to be about 1.2 trillion US dollars, but most of this will be spent in the creation of fuel supply chains, regardless of which fuel is actually
0: yes, chosen. You know, if we know we've got an absolute target of... reduction minimum in 2050, the thing that has really helped us to break that down into a nearer-term objective is that that means you need to start building zero-emission ships from about 2030. You know, there's a fleet turnover that means that on an individual asset of the 50-odd thousand ships that we know we need to change, those will need to start changing from 2030 onwards. And this is the equivalent of that, but just in financial terms.
1: And also last week, I mentioned that a lobby group, CLNG, an organisation set up to promote LNG as a marine fuel, has been objecting to a set of criteria, draft criteria from the Climate Bond Initiative that aims to give investors, such as pension funds and insurance companies, guidance on how to define green bonds. Green, and specifically climate bonds, are being promoted by the CBI as low risk, the premise being that a bond issued with awareness of climate risks is a better long-term investment. And that is what modern investors are looking for according to the CBI. Now Tristan Smith was one of the lead experts when CBI was developing this criteria for low carbon shipping. And I got the chance to ask why the criteria deliberately excludes LNG carriers and VLCCs.
0: It's standard practice in climate bonds criteria. So they've they've done other criteria in other sectors and they have ruled out financing of fossil infrastructure, whether that's supply chain production, Um, it doesn't matter if it's part of of the fossil fuel system, they think uh, that shouldn't be included, um, primarily because of the risk to the investor. So so the, the logic that they follow and that we follow in a lot of our work is we have a temperature goal, the temperature goal gives you a pathway, and that pathway tells you of very rapid demand reduction across all types of fossil fuel um, coal oil and gas and if you have that rapid reduction um, and you already have an existing amount of infrastructure and, and um, fleet in our case in the shipping industry then basically you have a forecast of, of rapid demand contraction and so financing new supply in that environment is a is a major financial risk and we we know that from all the work that climate brief and others have done carbon tracker to say basically we're going to have to write down a lot of fossil fuel assets today and if you know you have to write them down today then certainly putting more money in that direction um with a with that objective and aligned to that logic of temperature goal to to scenario um doesn't make any sense so i think i think that's where they're coming from it's obviously difficult for people to compute when they look at what's happening in the industry today and there's in the shipping industry there's huge optimism about the the potential to move more gas around the world in lng carriers um but that's that's because we aren't aligned in the policy space with uh, with the temperature goals we know that we've got governments who are still um heading down pathways and when we add all of those pathways together we have a much higher temperature rise than the than the paris agreement so so that's that's the very difficult dynamic that we're in at the moment you can look at things on the ground and say well you know i can only see demand growth but But as soon as you take an assumption that we're going to ultimately get onto that pathway, that isn't going to be something that lasts for very long.
1: That was Tristan Smith from the UCL's Energy Institute. And as I'd said earlier, this decision to exclude ships that transport liquid natural gas had upset CLNG, the lobby group made up of shipping companies and technology firms promoting ships that are fuelled by LNG. Now, I finally got a chance to talk to Peter Keller, chairman of CLNG, about the open letter the group sent to CBI and why they felt the need to join the debate on behalf of LNG carriers. Now, while he did not directly address the issue of LNG carriers at first, he did say he was concerned about the general lack of awareness that the alternative fuels being discussed as shipping's future solutions are certainly not available
3: yet. The whole issue of future fuels and uh, an alternative, more environmentally fuel, uh, friendly fuels going forward is, is not a simple, singular topic. And we certainly feel at CLNG that to be prescriptive to a specific solution that hasn't even really been tested is arguably 10 years away uh, is just inappropriate. We continue to have, as an industry... Issues with air quality, which is the reason IMO 2020 was enacted, and certainly the whole issue of decarbonizing shipping in the future. But we need to remember that both of these issues are still with us. We still have, uh, especially in in these days of the pandemic, a lot of attention on world health and certainly a lot of attention on decarbonization uh, going forward. As such, we need to look at all of our options, and we need to look at what is possible. We need to work in the realm of, of, of what is, is really possible and practical. And one of the things that we believe that's possible and practical, uh, because it is happening, uh, perhaps not as quickly as we would like, but it is happening, and that is the move to LNG as a as a very viable marine fuel that certainly helps solve the air quality issues and starts to move us in the right direction uh, in, the, in the area of uh, decarbonization.
1: Peter Keller went on to repeat that shipping needs to be given the option to try different pathways, particularly ones which may become available sooner than hydrogen or ammonia, and that LNG has a good track record from both a safety point of view, which it has, and from an emissions perspective. LNG was, of course, introduced as a marine fuel, mostly to curb the emissions of nitrous oxides and sulphur dioxide. But I wanted to know more about the need for CLNG to get involved in the climate bond criteria when the criteria does not exclude LNG-fueled ships, so long as those vessels are also set to undergo emissions reduction mechanisms during the tenor of the bond agreement that covers those
3: vessels. Uh, by, by our reading... Uh, We see that uh, their policy so far is is very prescriptive to ammonia, and uh, we just think that's wrong. It's way too early in this whole process to say that a fuel that admittedly is going to take at least another 10 years to even be into a test phase uh, is, is an appropriate way to deal with all of the environmental initiatives we have going forward. Uh, to to spend another 10 years basically doing nothing, waiting for this magic elixir to come forward, uh, we just don't believe uh, makes sense. And, and the world has a lot of other things that they can do right now. We see short sea initiatives that are that, that are moving to different types of alternative fuels. But in the deep sea initiative, the only thing that will really uh, that, that that's really available right now would appear to be LNG, and with a pathway forward, we can start to reach the uh, uh, the, the, the issues that, that the IMO and others are looking at for twenty thirty and twenty fifty. So it, it it just goes back to to the issue of of you you, you can't you you can't define a solution that is 10 years out and hasn't even been tested in in any kind of a real environment. And and we just just don't agree with that uh, that position and and respectfully would hope uh, that the the Climate Bonds Initiative uh, would be a little more open in terms of the various alternatives that may be out there. there. There may well be alternatives coming forward in the next 10 or 20 or 30 years uh, that are going to be absolutely different from everything we think about today, and that's the, that's what happens with technology. But we do know that uh, that LNG is 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 future-proofed right now with with everything with everything that we know and and what what uh, positive developments can be made uh, using liquefied natural gas.
1: But there may be a little bit more to this. While the EU has said it wants to escalate the development of hydrogen or the hydrogen economy, and one might read into this ammonia fuel supply chains, there's no doubt that Europe is also making inroads to sustainability reporting, with a soon-to-be mandated regulation on how investors issue environment and sustainability investments. Last week, Sean Bond, CEO of the Climate Bonds Initiative, told me that CBI's investment criteria, in other words, what investors can call a climate bond, has been the starting point for the taxonomy that is the foundation of the European regulation. The creation of criteria for low-carbon shipping, based on designated degrees of a vessel's carbon footprint during the period of the loan, could be included into a European taxonomy, And let's not forget that von der Leyen has a keen interest in bringing shipping into an emissions trading scheme at some point. One feels the political long game is being played out in various corners of the decarbonisation debate as industry regulators and technology firms work out their positions for both the near and the more long-term future. Now it's time for our update from Nick Chubb at Thetius about some of the technology developments in the shipping space over the last week.
4: Thanks, Craig. First off this week, congratulations need to go to UK-based ship tech startup ETEU. They closed their seed funding round of up to £150,000 yesterday. The blockchain-based trade platform is aimed at enabling paperless trade and automating digital trade document drafting and sharing for small and medium enterprises. Uh, in other news this week, DP World has joined the Maersk and IBM collaboration TradeLens. They plan to connect all 82 of their marine and inland container terminals and their feeder companies. Don't forget that they own uh, Uni- Unifeeder. Uh, they they handled 71.2 million TEU uh, last year uh, and are uh, one of the first Seriously major port players um, to sign up to the platform i 've been quite critical of trade lens uh, in the past um, and and had always assumed that they would struggle to to get to, to a level of critical mass. That said um, they seem to be doing a good job, so i 'm eating my words and Lastly, this week, Silver Sea Cruises has completed a, a pretty interesting set of remote sea trials. Uh, their new build ship, Silver Origin, has been doing sea trials. Um, off the coast of the Netherlands over the last few days. Uh, And this week, they conducted a test of their dynamic positioning system uh, with an engineer remotely operating and calibrating the system from St. Petersburg, uh, 1,800 kilometres away. It's one of the first times that a remote trial of a DP system um, has actually been used in anger rather than as a demonstrator.
1: Nick Chubb from Thetius. Now that's it for this week. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and you can do that in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Acast.com. You can also find the podcast on fathom.world, where you'll find more stories and news going deeper into these topics. And where you can also subscribe for a weekly newsletter that looks at the transformation of the shipping and maritime space. Until the next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye.